Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode two of the Own the Moment podcast. My name is TJ Lasig, and I will be your host today. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Justin Herzig. Justin, how are we doing today? We're doing well. We're doing well. It is another exciting day in the market. And uh, let's give the date. So today is January 27th. And yesterday, we saw our first actual down day in the market. Very small down. I'd say maybe about 5 five to 10% I saw compared to the previous days. See, early this morning, we're back at, I think, uh, before we were um, on that down. So uh, optimism continues. Yep. Things definitely slowed down a bit for a day or so there. I know there was a lot of pack drops going on, although we found out later that they weren't even necessarily a pack drop. It's really packs that are in the future going to be available 24-7 in the marketplace. But as Top Shot continues to work through some of their technical difficulties, you know, we're working with a beta product here, so it is what it is, but agreed. Yeah. So I think what, what we want to do today is really take a, a deep dive into each of our first weeks here at Top Shot. It's been been a full week at this point since we first heard about this and just wanted to talk through our individual experiences, what it's been like for us so far, what are the different types of strategies that we're thinking about, how are we approaching this thing short term versus medium term versus long term. And I think it's going to be a good show because we've both taken different approaches thus far, which I think will hopefully help, help folks. Um, I can talk a little bit about what my first couple of days were like and some of the things that I were thinking. And then Justin has what, what I think is a, a very, very smart strategy. That's more of like a, a short to medium term play based on the challenges that he made. That I definitely want him to dive into because I think it's super interesting and in the type of thought process that, that we're going to need to instill if we want to stay ahead of the markets. I like that. And uh, just to kind of level set once more. So just because for a lot of people listening to this, I know uh, in the past couple of days, we've been feeling just such the, uh, you know, the spikes and the craziness of yesterday. I think yesterday was overall a very good day, even though it's that first day that we saw the markets go down a small amount. I think that was actually a blessing in disguise. It showed us a couple of things. One, something that kind of I've had a hypothesis around for a while is that there are eventually going to be cards that are not worth anything. They will be listed for a dollar and you won't be able to sell them. And that is perfectly okay. If we continue to see every single price, you know, every card just completely to rocket, you know, you're there's some, some form of bubble that eventually has to pop. Just the supply and demand, the economics of it don't work out. So actually seeing those 50,000 packs released in the middle of the night, then another 25,000 the next morning. I know a lot of people were initially upset about that. But I think it was actually a really smart way by Dapper Labs to say, hey, we are just trying to pump some volume into the marketplace. We're not doing it at any kind of crazy multiple. We don't want to do it with the site shutting down. And what that does is it provides a level of sustainability um, and equilibrium across the market. Now, we still are seeing some you know, very high prices. We're still seeing a lot of value. But I think it's great to know that, you know, as TJ has mentioned, eventually uh, these uh, general, these common packs are not supposed to be that special. They're supposed to be enjoyable because you have the upside of getting, you know, this really valuable card, uh, but they're supposed to be easily accessible that anybody can just log in and buy, just like you can walk into the store and grab your card. Now, they are still valuable today. They are still in demand today. And one of the questions that we've been hearing a lot, you know, on Twitter and so forth is, 
what is the value of these packs? Should we do it, TJ? Should we give it? Let's do it. Show, show them the numbers there. What we did to give you a little behind the scenes is we ran an analysis of all the potential cards that you could get in this pack. Um, so there are 133 different type of cards that were available in this pack. Of those 133, seven of them have a current below mar uh, have a current available like least cheap price, cheapest price at over $100. Um, oh, I forgot the number for how many are less than a dollar, but you then have something around, I think it's like 60 or 70 that are less than $5. So we'll call those the duds. But at the end of the day, for your three cards of a $9 investment, the estimated value is still $38. So these packs, not surprisingly, are still very valuable. You are going to get some duds, but when I see this at the market, I'm 100% trying to grab as many as I can because if you hit that Lamello, it's 550. If you hit the LeBron, it's 350, 400. There's others in there that are still very valuable, and so that's bringing up your expected value. And uh, as different packs continue to be either dropped or available, we're going to continue to run those numbers and we'll provide them. Um, at the Own the Moment NFT Twitter account, we'll be posting some of those kind of stats, some of those things, basically just ways to help you become a smarter investor. And uh, I believe that eventually that expected value is going to go below $9. Because theoretically, if it's always available, always above $9, then we're always going to want to try to buy them as much as possible. But if their goal is to make these readily available for anyone to get whenever they want, I think that estimated value should probably end up around $7, $8. Yes, you get a little gamble in there. You get a little entertainment. Or maybe, who knows, ideally the price actually is nine. The EV ends up being $9. Definitely something to continue monitoring. And I think it's an important thing to learn, right? There was the, the Cool Cats pack dropped. That was like automatic, you know, 200 plus dollars, literally, yeah. just with the way the market was at that time. And that will probably continue to be the case for the Cool Cats packs. I think the Cool Cats packs continue to have a ton of value. You're guaranteed to get one of the five Cool Cats that are, are going off, I think all in the hundreds at this point. But remember, there's a difference between an actual pack drop, which means that you know new and kind of more rare supply is being pushed into the system versus these common packs where it's just, it's yeah, obviously increasing the supply, but it's for these common cards where at the end of the day, there's going to be 12,000 plus of them, which is why I completely agree with you, Justin, that eventually those packs will, and those individual moments will not be worth much. And it was crazy for a while like there were literally lebron series two 12,000 plus commons packs going for a thousand dollars and so to me that's i mean it's almost a little bit of a shame honestly it's people that that don't understand what they're buying and so that's that's part of why we want to create a show like this right like it's Lots perfectly fine to spend a thousand dollars on a lebron james just not that one <laughs> Any other LeBron James is pretty much fine to, to spend more money on, but make sure that you know what you're getting into as you're making that purchase. Not all LeBron Jameses are created equal. Producer Coop here with a brief interruption of TJ and Justin's analysis. We wanted to make sure that you as our listener is aware that our podcast will be available to watch on our Own the Moment YouTube channel, where TJ and Justin are able to share their screens to showcase their analysis, navigate the Top Shot site, open packs, and plenty more. That's all for now. Back to the show. Exactly. And yeah, so this just gives a little behind the scenes of uh, the, you know, the spreadsheet that I built out for this. So what we see here is that this shows, as I mentioned, that LaMelo Ball is around I don't know, 550. LeBron's right next. 
And so here's my little notes over here. So seven of those 133 currently had that cheapest value of above $100. 98 of the 133 are lower than five. So I had a lot of friends yesterday who were going through the hassle, click and refresh, click and refresh, eventually get their pack and they get three guys. I mean, hey, if you saw our episode one, we got three of those guys that were worth less than $5. And yeah, it's disheartening. Yeah, like, you know, a little frustrating, especially how difficult it was to get the pack. But more often than not, that's actually going to happen. The thing is, you also have the upside of trying to get this. So on a per card basis, it was a little less than $13. And for the entire pack, all three, you're looking at 38. So 38 minus that nine, you know, you're looking at a nice $29 right there. Expected um, positive. Love that. And, and obviously you can see there, right? Like, sure, maybe the majority of the time, any individual pack is going to be worth less than the $9. But the times when it's worth more, it could be worth a lot more. And that's why we pay for that upside. And then, like we said, you, you pull that LaMelo, you pull that LeBron. Now you're in the game, right? Now you're in the mix. If you just got started, now you've got something that you can flip for a couple hundred dollars. And now you've got your bankroll to play. And to me, that's that's the beauty of it. And that's that's what I've been enjoying a lot of here is I'm just you know grinding the marketplace, seeing what's going on, especially in the early days. The, the action was just crazy. It still continues to be. And also, I think as new as more of these packs drops, one of the things that I'm noticing is that you'll find people that that are listing somebody at simply an incorrect price. So there's some tech issues going on with Top Shot where it will show the lowest list price, but the number that's being shown is actually incorrect. And I think what is happening is that some people, like if you actually pulled down the drop down list, you would see that the actual numbers that are it's being sold for is larger than what it presents. But if people don't take that second step, they just see, okay, the lowest ask for LeBron James is 400. I'm going to list it at, at 350, even though LeBron's are actually going for 550. So that's just yeah. another thing to keep in mind is always be looking for those deals because they'll be popping in. And likewise, if you're about to put one of your own moments onto the market, make sure that you're doing it at, at a price that is fair market value for yourself so that you don't make a mistake and sell a moment for less than you could have. And we're going to have some strategy guides going forward on what is the best way to grind the marketplace? What is the best way to maximize your return on your sales? And we'll talk about some of those strategies there. To wrap this up though, I will mention one other thing in case you are interested in you know doing a similar analysis yourself or just for our, because we're going to continue to make these and we'll publish them. Two kind of cursors here. One is this is only the this is the cheapest available. That doesn't mean that they're actually selling for that price. So sometimes there is a little gap there that the actual value um, of your common card is probably you know, is potentially a little less than what the cheapest available is. Uh, the second is this also though doesn't include what if you pull that low rare mint or the unique number. Now you know that Lamelo, you get that number one five whatever it is. That five hundred is looking more like thousands, and so. I don't want to know if it evens out or not. I think across what we're looking at 1.4 million cards involved here, if all were actually introduced, but we assume that there's, you know, uh, equal representation randomly distributed uh, as they are introduced. And so, yeah, I didn't include that in the numbers, but I think this is a close enough method to say, Hey, here's about your expected value. Good stuff. Lo love the numbers here. And just look, looking back and thinking through some of the, the things that I've been focused on, I think it's important to think about right now, everything can have value. Like anything you bought a week ago has probably double, triple, quadrupled, 
right? And that's not going to be sustainable. That's not going to continue to happen. And so what I'm really trying to do, and, and I got in there and I was buying all kinds of different stuff. I was like, this is great. I'm in this game. Like I want to get all kinds of different things. And then the next day I had this moment of like, oh, maybe I should have been a little bit more strategic about this. So I kind of reined myself back in, reestablished what I'm considering some of the, the blue chip purchases that I think have some, some short-term value and then long-term as well. So to me, these are things like all of the series one studs. So you've got your LeBron, who's, who's a little on the pricer end, but I tried to pick up at least one of each of those guys. So a LeBron, a Luka, James Harden, John Morant, Zon Williamson wanted to at least get get a base down where, where I because I, I know that the series one or the thought right is that the series one will always have value over time whereas if we get to the point where we've got a series five six seven all of a sudden series two and three are they really that much better than a four or five probably not but there will always only be one series one so for that reason I've been liking to target those guys and then I know that that we've both been going after the rookies a bit so you want to talk a little bit about what you think about about rookies and how to handle them and anything that that may be coming down the pipeline with regards to top shot and rookie badges and first games, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, as you said, in a bull market, we all look like geniuses. And I think that's one of the things we need to be careful about is not only are we in a macro standpoint, like entire economy is in a ridiculous bull market, um, but specifically with top shot, we have just seen exponential growth at such an early stage that we get the, you know, in extreme uh, bull market where it all looks like we're geniuses no matter what you're buying, that won't last. So we need to be strategic about what we're buying so that A, and there is a, um, a correction when there is a, you know, a bounce back. We wanna make sure that our stuff has a little more um, strength to survive that, as well as when we're looking for that long-term sustainability, we have the ones that are gonna continue maintain that. So when I look at rookies, um, it's a lot of the same idea as what we see with S1. Um, I personally am taking a risk-averse strategy of, I don't know that much about Dapper Labs. I don't know the people who are running it. And I know, you know from friends of friends that they're a fantastic team. They've put out an amazing product. I've got a lot of faith in them. However, there are decisions that they can make, similar to how TJ mentioned in the last episode, that there is uncertainty, unknowable things. There are uncertainty around what decisions they make for what kind of moments they come out with. They may end up coming out with 150 LeBron moments. Maybe there's going to be 30, 40, 50 from his, you know, in the, back in the past. Maybe the majority are going to be in the future. We really don't know. Um, I think they're going to take a very strategic and smart approach to this. And you know that we can tell that they understand the value of scarcity given the way they built this product. But there still is risk, especially with our younger guys, about how many moments are they going to have, especially if they're having a successful career in the playoffs and so forth. So what I'm trying to do is within a ecosystem that values scarcity, I'm trying to find even more scarcity and uniqueness, things that can't be compromised over time due to factors beyond my control, such as overprinting or overcreation of different moments. So with rookies, especially season one, let's start with that. We know that they're not, I mean, series one, they're not creating any more series one. So if you have a rookie moment in series one, and there's only one of those, we know that is going to be forever be that rookie's only moment. Maybe we see that there's two or three. Okay, two or three is still not bad. There's still a lot of value in that. And so we can have confidence that there's just going to be those two or three. Now, distinguishing between those, we can then get another layer dip, deeper, and we'll get into the first tag. Uh, first game, first moment tags in a couple of minutes. 
but I still just want to show that, you know, well, now let's consider uh, series two rookies. It's early in the series. Maybe they start creating more. So I still want to make sure that, hey, I'm getting involved in the rookies and we're still limiting it to at least that one series for which you'll have the most value. If I'm at series two and I'm taking a look at, hey, Kevin Durant is an amazing basketball player, probably one of the what top two or three that's currently in the league. All time is probably going to end up in the, I don't know, top 25, 20, maybe even higher. That's fantastic. That's amazing. But what is the uniqueness of a moment from him in series two versus a series three versus series four or five and so forth? Now, series two might be a little more valuable than series three and so forth going forward. But at the end of the day, the difference between, in my mind at least, what a series one Kevin Durant versus a series two, I think that gap is larger than a series two and a series five because there's so many opportunities for these additional moments. Uh, and I actually, funny, I use KD because he's an interesting example where I think there actually weren't any series ones until they did a reward for a challenge. Um, but in general, that's kind of the thought process. So when I'm looking at rookies, I know that those rookies are going to have inherent long-term value. They're going to hold the test of time. We have confidence because we've seen that with the actual physical sports card market. And I think from a logical standpoint, it makes sense. Now, TJ alluded to these badges. What are these badges? Well, what they're likely going to do is in the marketplace, you've already seen there's lots of ways to start searching. The, you know, Dapper Labs wants to make things even more functional and better ways to categorize, better able to actually uh, identify the valuable moments. So they're going to add a rookie tag, similar to how you have right now, different kind of tags on there or for physical cards. We're going to see that a rookie is going to have some form of a visual tag. It'll likely then be searchable in the marketplace and those are going to stand out. When people are ready to go in the marketplace and they want to find the valuable things, they'll probably just often go, hey, I'm just going to go search all their rookie cards. And you need that tag to actually show up. Now, those tags have not been installed in yet. So I think there's still an opportunity that the rookies have additional value because once those rookie tags come in, I think the general market's going to see that and add additional value. Now, there's some argument that maybe it's already been baked in a little because this is public information. They have announced it. And yes, I agree that's somewhat true. I just don't think it's been fully encompassed. The other badges we're, gonna, we're expecting, uh, the next one is going to be a first game badge. So for a rookie that might have three or four different moments in their rookie arsenal, where if it was actually their first game, so we see that player, it's his, I think for Ja, it was literal. Uh, um, actually, I don't know if for Ja, that was his big moment, but uh, for a lot of the players, it's their literal first game, maybe their first basket, their first assist, first big play in that game. That'll get a first game badge too. And I think that takes a new innovative element to it where not only is it during their rookie year, it's now their first actual game. So if a player only has one rookie card, who knows if it's that big of a deal. But if you have multiple, now we know there's additional value put on that first game. So that's something to keep an eye out when you're looking at rookies. If prices are fairly similar and you see an opportunity, I recommend default to that first game. And the last one is the first moment. Um, this is one that's probably a little more, um, you know, not less lower in the prioritization for them, but definitely in the pipeline. It may not be their rookie. And so because this is, you know, 2020 was the first year for this and we have 90 some percent of the league are not rookies, but maybe there's still value in that being their actual first moment and kind of mirroring the rookie thing. There's a little more um, ambiguity in this, I would say, because we still have to figure out 
What about those run it back and where they're doing in the back in time? Does that become the first moment? Is the first minute moment? Um, how, do the, how, how do we tell with the dates? And it's not the easiest thing. There's probably, because of that confusion or that ambiguity, there's probably additional edge for us if you do the research, if you have some hypotheses that you think are you know, validated, then go with it, buy those, because I think those are going to see a strong uh, long-term value. And uh, an example or two of that is John Wall and Gordon Hayward. Both of those did not have a series one moment. Both of those first moments are series two. Now those are plus 12,000 CC cards. So very widely available. I believe they're going in the market for in the one, two, three, four dollar standpoint. And market is saying they're not that valuable. However, if that then gets its first moment badge later on, no, it's not rookie and it's not first game, but if that's their first moment, that becomes unique for those are two pretty quality players and that may have value long-term. Yeah, I think in general, it's good to think about, okay, if I'm buying a moment from a specific player, right? Where does this moment rank in all of the moments that that player will eventually have? And find some sort of differentiator, the Kevin Durant Series 2, right? We, we think that that is likely going to get the first moment badge. We're not 100% sure on that. Like Justin said, there's a lot of rumors out there. I don't think any of this is confirmed. So please, we do not certainly do not work for Top Shots. We're just taking in the information that we hear and trying to make the best decisions as a result. But you look at that series to Kevin Durant, if that's going to be his first moment that he had in NBA Top Shots, then it adds an extra value, right? Because the only series one that he had, like Justin said, it was the running back. And the reason he didn't have a standard series one was because he was he was injured for that season. So I think that's that's one important thing. Obviously, the, the rookies that that holds in itself take someone like Anthony Edwards, for example, only has the one card now. Obviously, over the course of his career, there will be many, many, many more moments, but there will only ever be one that is, you know, his his, his rookie moment, his first moment. And so to me, that holds both the short term and the long term value, which is why I like it. And I agree that that I think. I think some of this is built into the prices, but I also think that there's plenty of users out there that are not aware of these changes. So I think that there's still more room to run for people that are in that situation with the badge incoming. And I really like the way that you said it about think about that player's career and where do these moments, you know, rank. Because if you use LeBron as an example, and like theoretically, maybe we had his rookie card in this, that Kobe dunk may perhaps be his most iconic moment. Maybe it's going to be the chase down with the Cavs and get the championship. Like those are both two very iconic moments. I don't know which is better, but objectively, I do know that the rookie is always going to be valuable. And so I think LeBron might be an exception where one of those two may eventually end up being a more iconic moment for him. But I think across the board, it is a lot safer bet to know that that rookie is always going to be because objectively that rookie card, that first moment, is, has a tag. We know it is the first. That has a lot of value. There might be a little more subjectivity in which is Jaws' eventually most iconic moment. Who knows? But we know what his first was. Agreed. Yeah, LeBron is such an interesting one for me. He's somebody that I've been kind of heavily investing in, and I'm debating what to do with him going forward. My And again, I think, I, I'll be honest, I, I had some some short-sightedness with I bought up a bunch of the series two LeBrons because at the time the series two I think there's a, a 
7,500 max on them. I forget. Whatever the limited edition series two is. Early last week, he was going in the in the 130s, 140s, 150s. Now he's been trading between 500 and 600. But as soon as the other series two LeBron came out with the, even though it's the 12,000 plus, that clearly had an impact on the other series two LeBron. And again, I think it's because pe people aren't quite understanding necessarily the market. So basically, I think there's value in having the high end of somebody or the low end, right? Where if it's like, hey, I want a LeBron, what's the cheapest way I can get a LeBron, right? Some people aren't gonna have the bankrolls to buy. I mean, LeBron especially, I think any of them have value. Obviously there's the top, top, top end ones. Right. Um, but but yeah, I, I tried to get myself one series, one LeBron, just because I wanted that in my portfolio for long-term. And I kind of view this series too, LeBron. He's like the Bitcoin of this whole thing. Like it's a pretty steady price. Like if you just want somewhere where I don't think it's going to fluctuate too, too much. Like it's not going to go to zero. It's not going to ever increase too, too much. It's just kind of fun to, to watch that market. And, and if you follow it, you know, you can get some, some steals and uh, get in there cheap and then and flip things like that quickly because people like LeBron have just so much volume. Like some of those popular players, there's people trading them like by the minute. And so I think that that's different. And I think we'll get next into some of the challenge stuff. You know, it, it there's different markets for some of these different moments, just in terms of the volume that they're trading and at what price point you're competing. If you're at the lower price points, it's going to be more frequent trades at the higher ones. You know, once you start to get into the rare or even the legendary cards, those things are not trading every minute or even every five minutes or heck, maybe not even every day. So that to me is where it becomes more of either like a mid to long term plan. LeBron is the Bitcoin. Maybe Zion's the Litecoin. Who's our XRP? Who's our? Yeah, who's gonna flame out and just <laughs> just completely? But fall but it's fair. I get, what I get what you're saying though, because without a doubt, LeBron will probably be the most representative of the market. And if LeBron's price is going up, the market is going up. And if LeBron's price is going down, then the market is going down. Um, there will be more volatility in the tails and the other aspects. But you know, hey getting that LeBron, you know that honestly, a LeBron card is more an investment in top shots than anything else. Agreed with that. And, and, you know, there's no, there's no, like we, we know LeBron is always going to be one of the greats, if not the great, there, there's no chance that, you know, he ends and is not a top two, three player of all time, even, even in 50 years. Like it's just, He's such a standout that you really, it's such a high floor play, I guess is what I would say. He arguably doesn't have any additional upside. Maybe if he wins another championship or two, he gets a little more clear from separation from Jordan, but like that shouldn't really impact anything from a card market standpoint, maybe a little, but yeah, your risk there is just in the top shot risk and that what we're talking about, all these moments aren't as valuable as we thought or hope they would be. And if that's a case, though, that, that's an investment that, you know, you, you know, the risk that yourself you're getting into. And so you're willing just to, you know, bet on the upside of top shot, which is probably a pretty strong bet at the point at this point. All right. So let's pivot to the, the challenges here, because we, we do have two challenges that are currently in progress. We just had a challenge wrap up. That was for the Steph Curry metallic gold. As soon as that challenge ended, we had the next metallic gold Number 16 open up, of which the prize is going to be a Dwight Howard card. And uh, I got to be honest, you, you were really, really ahead of the curve on this one and saw 
into the you know the future and you even tried to explain it to me and i like kind of got it and i i clear, clearly didn't i mean it just didn't fully like register with me the potential impact of what you meant and i think a lot of people are when they hear this are going to be like oh my god that's so smart that makes so much sense why didn't i think of that and i mean i heard about it and still didn't act on it so hey it, it is what it is i'm doing my thing over here but why don't you talk some people through this metallic gold challenge and how you you know used past challenge information as well as kind of future assumptions of what you believe is going to happen next in order to to really set yourself up well over the next couple of weeks as we expect more metallic gold challenges to come through yep so Starting off, uh, I learned about these challenges, and at the time, there were probably two challenges going on. I believe one was involved here, if we could actually take a look. So if I go to the challenges page, and so actually, let's make sure that people know. So to get to the challenges, if we go to collection at the top, you'll then see challenges here. If we click on challenges. I've not completed any yet. And now I'm at my challenges page. I go to the previous to kind of learn. The people behind um, you know, Top Shot are humans that are building a company and they are probably you know, able to see, hey, what's something was successful in the past, they're going to continue to repeat. And so I wanted to see what could I learn from what they've done previously and the you know, successes that maybe I could learn and predict something in the future. So I took a look at these challenges and you can see with these challenges, we've got, uh, so Deck the Hoops Challenge, 40 people completed this, that's because the cards that were necessary for these had maxes of only 85. So if you looked at any of the prices of these right now, they're still at a minimum around 2000. During the challenge, they were even higher. We can then see, uh, let's see what other challenges we've got going on. So there's some of the run it back ones. Those are a little easier to complete, but there was only when I started this challenge, when I started this process, only three of them, only three or four so I didn't have as much confidence in how many more they would do if they would really, you know, continue to do it. What I did pick up on is, and like here, same thing, season tip off challenge, but again, no numbers. So I'm not confident they're going to continue it. But when I saw these metallic gold ones, I was like 12, 13, 14, there's a strong chance they're going to continue these. So my goal was, could I figure out what would be the cards necessary in these challenges ahead of time before they actually release the challenge? And so if we take a look at any of these, so there's a general theme. We know that they are part of the Metallic Gold Series 1 Challenge. We know that they're out of 299. So it's all part of this set. Now, how do we figure out what's in that set? If we click on one of these cards, we can scroll. Where is it set? Explore all listings. No. All right, there you learn every time. There is a place where you can see the actual set. Let me try going to where I actually have a card um, from the challenge in my uh, moments. But what we're trying to do is figure out, okay, what are in, how do we get this entire set? If you go, go, go back and hit sets. I think the previous page you're on, if you hit sets, then you can see every, so so the way this uh, works, right, is that there are, there are different sets, right? So you have the, the series one common, you have the series two common, you have this 
metallic gold limited edition. You have like the hollow sets. So one of the the goals that you can accomplish is completing a set. Now it's a little bit more more difficult to do at this point now that that prices have become high. Exactly. And so I was basically I was like trying to figure out how do people get these. And I think I found it was in okay. So this is a premium pack. It's a rare pack. Doesn't even say metallic in there because you kind of get a mix. But we can see here metallic gold series one. All right, and now I can view a complete list of every moment in these rare packs. So now what I have is that entire metallic gold pack here, and this is what's available in drop four. So I basically looked and see, okay, across all the metallic gold packs, um, all these premium packs with some rare cards, I made a list of all of the metallic golds. Took a look at that list, and what we found out is there were 31 players who were on that list but had not been involved in any of the previous challenges as either a necessity to actually collect or a prize reward. So that's 31. And three of those cards have not actually been issued out yet. And so that was the Dwight Howard, it's the uh, Nurkic, and the... Um, Nance Jr. Nance Jr., there you go. And so I was like, okay, this makes too much sense. We have 28 cards that have been issued, but have not been part of a challenge. We have three that have not yet actually been, um, you know, even created. So I'm assuming that there's going to be three more challenges. And for those three more challenges, those 28 cards are the ones that I'm going to need to buy. So I made that list and I took a look and I'm like, okay, let's actually start taking a look at what those cards are. Here's the entire list that we started off with of all of the, metallic moments. So you can see we broke out. I then manually went through and saw, okay, which ones had not been in. And now I have this list of the 31 cards with my notes and the prices. So I can see, you can see where those three that are coming soon. I kind of saw that some were maybe a little bit overpriced. So Duncan Robinson at the time I had him at 384. I felt that it was a bit overpriced because the cheapest one or the highest sale before that was only like 200, 250. So I wanted to wait on that. I still taking like a you know, finding the right value approach. But eventually what it gets me to is I bought them all. I got decent value on them. They're all actually besides the Giannis and the Dork because I thought that they were just expensive. Um, and it turns out I should have just made those purchases too. But you can see when I made the purchases the few days before, I spent $1,500 on these nine. Now, these nine are the ones that are necessary for the current Dwight Howard. Just, and I kept tracking them because I still had confidence. You know, we saw the step challenge was coming down to zero. We we're down from a day, you know, only a day or two left in it. So I expected a new challenge to come out. So I kept tracking and still just before the challenge was even released, these prices went up. Now, a lot of that was because the market was actually, you know, um, increasing as we've seen in everything in this. But also I think that I've saw one or two other people also either tailing or having a similar strategy that, hey, maybe this might be something, you know, smart to get ahead of the game. And then once that challenge finally started, we see the combined prices are almost $9,000. So my investment there of 1,500, and again, this is what um, I actually bought because I spent for, okay, here's the thing. I, for the most part, tried to buy the cheapest card because I expected one of two things. A, I'm gonna hold on to these and get the challenge reward card, or B, I'm just going to flip these near the end of the challenge and make a, make, you know, make a profit off of it. So if there's a decent chance that I'm just going to flip it and the people buying it are not buying it really 
because of the value of the card, but they're buying it just because they need the utility value of that card to complete the challenge. I just want to get in at the lowest price because I'm likely going to be selling not, you know, people aren't buying for that additional mint. They're just buying for the card. So I'm getting here, what, almost 5X just for this, you know, these nine cards. And across my investment, I'm also starting to track those others and see like, I think uh, over the past day or two, people have definitely caught on after this new challenge came out, but the prices for almost all the other cards are in that kind of 800 to 1200 range. Yeah, all of the future metallic goals, not just the one in this Dwight Howard, they've all been pumping now. You were just very ahead of the game. I mean, you were a couple days ahead, if not a week ahead of some others, and and we've seen those inflated. I think this is going to be an interesting thing to track going forward, right? Because at what point, like, okay, the Steph Curry one, right? That, that was a, a rare Steph Curry, and that one, like, I could see that being maximum, maximum value. Dwight Howard, not so much. Like, is Dwight Howard really going to be that valuable? I don't know. I'm curious to, to find that out. Uh, did some analysis on the, the Steph Curry challenge as well, just evaluating what the prices were like just before the challenge completed, what they were like at the time of completion, and then what they ended up doing afterwards. What we saw is that they've decreased by about 50%. So as soon as the clock struck zero and the challenge was now complete, it's very clear that everyone is is just going to, to try and sell and get rid of those moments because their prices are inflated. So yeah, I mean, obviously you're, you're in a great spot here simply because you were able to get in so cheap, but I do think you still have a decision on your hands of, hey, is it more valuable for me to sell all of these, you know, metallic golds that I have and I can get eight, nine K or do I hold them and get the Dwight Howard? And is the Dwight Howard really going to sell for eight or nine K? I don't know. Well, so it's actually, it's the Dwight Howard plus whatever these guys would be worth at the end of the challenge too. So I'm sure you'll be doing that that calculation. And these are the kinds of things that we want to, to keep you guys posted with because we'll be monitoring these numbers and trying to identify these trends. And again, there's going to be many, many more challenges. This is obviously a high-end one in terms of the cost to complete. The Cool Cats one is certainly more realistic because the costs are cheaper and because there's still packs coming out. So you have the opportunity to get the Cool cat cats for simply i think it's a 14 dollars for those packs so obviously we understand that that most people are not going to be able to jump in and say all right i'm spending 9k to to complete this challenge but i think it's still useful information to be aware of and again just seeing how people like justin are thinking ahead and not just looking at okay what's right in front of me right now what do i think is going to happen in the next five minutes the next 12 hours the next day but no it's like what's going to happen next week or the week after that, or the month after that. And so I, I really, really respect the way you went about this. And it's it's certainly going to pay off one way or the other. Yeah, definitely. And I think, so one of the things that TJ and I were discussing with the step challenge too, when we started tracking it is because we were actually interested in potentially making a go at it. And so how do we make that decision? Well, we actually built a break-even analysis. We made some, you know, hypotheses. One of those was that, what are the value of these cards after the challenge is complete? Okay, so we factor that in. We take into account, okay, what do we believe that the Steph card is going to go for? We look to see, you know, what are the comps there? Steph's a really interesting player because he's not at the LeBron level, but uh, I think he's ahead of just about, you know, almost everyone else, maybe not including the Jaw Zion rookies. And so you kind of get a factor of, okay, what do we think this card is worth? And one thing I've noticed, which is kind of a bit counterintuitive maybe, 
the more expensive the challenge, the more actual people that complete it. And so the more expensive the challenge is also the better the card that you end up getting. So with that Steph Curry one, I believe it was 207, either 207 or 209 that ended up completing it out of the possible uh, 299. Now, that was an extremely expensive one to complete. You can see right here, if you were trying to buy that last day, you were spending between seventeen dollars and $18,000 to complete the entire challenge. Um, for a Steph card that's one, you know, X out of 20, X out of 200, that may or may not be worth it. Um, but because this series one, I think they were so concentrated among early adopters that a lot of people, you know, we saw some activity in the market, uh, but I would guess, I would guess at least a hundred of the cards people already own the entire metallic gold series. And um, so the question then becomes, how much do people who have maybe partial of it want to get for that step? When we compare it to like a, um, let's go back to uh, Caruso. Oh, I've got the zoom. I also, dropped in, I also dropped in an update to the spreadsheet here because I, I looked at 12 hours after the challenge. So we can take a look at that next and see how, how we saw those prices go down as the challenge completed. What I was going to show is just take a look at like the Alex Caruso, like someone who is not nearly at the level of, you know, even a, uh, an all-star level NBA player. And so for his challenge, yes, it was a lot cheaper to complete, but people just didn't have as much of a desire, which then in trend, I mean, which is interesting because if there's fewer of that card, it actually then makes it more valuable because now Dwight Howard, obviously he's nowhere near the staff level and his card's not going to be as much as anywhere near the staff level. But if you end up having only 140 people that complete that challenge, A, your chance of actually getting one of those rare numbers, the jersey number, the top number, a top 10, top 20, whatever, increases. And it also is now a more rare card. There are fewer out there, so it increases value in that way. So I do think there is a kind of leveling where no, you know, Nance and Jerkic, um, you know, may not be the sexiest names, but that also probably means fewer people actually complete that challenge and that then, you know, builds up the value a little as well. So agree with you. I've got a decision to make. I will say for these, uh, I also didn't just buy one. On average, I probably have between two and four, three and five, somewhere around that range of a lot of these cards. Because when I saw that there was value, it wasn't just a, hey, I'm doing this just to complete the challenge. But it was, hey, these cards are going for 200. And I believe that eventually they're going to go for anywhere between, you know, 800 to 2000. Because we do occasionally... We do occasionally see the Evan Fournier who, what, Evan Fournier in the Steph Challenge randomly was going for uh, 5K. Well, 5, we don't even know if he was sold at 5K, actually, but he was at least listed at that. That's a good point. We can look into whether or not he actually sold at that. It could have just been, I mean, hey, that's going to be you, right? So for all you people out there that can't complete Metallic Gold Challenge now, we can blame Justin. He's cornered the market on us. People like myself can't complete it anymore. This guy's too sharp. We're all, you know, we missed the boat, but we're going to get in on the next one. All right. We're going to get in on the next one. And uh, <laughs> just had to, had to oh, throw you a little. Oh, of course. There. No, no, et cetera. I mean, but yeah, that Fournier was going for three plus thousand. So even though it didn't get to that high, and obviously like that 734 will probably still drop some more. Um, and it just shows that the name on the card for these challenges does not matter. It can be. It's more like a deck of cards, and all it is is you just got to collect them all. And so get those nine. The names during the challenge are virtually irrelevant. The only impact is maybe they started off with a higher price uh, going into it. But eventually, 
no matter the name, the price during the challenge is significantly greater than what the price of the others are before the challenge. Absolutely. Cool. I, I think we covered that in enough depth at this point. I think that, that this is a good review of our, of our first week in Top Shots. We'll continue to keep you guys posted on these challenges. We're going to continue to monitor them on our end. We can see how, how it works out for Justin and if he's able to, to flip some of these metallic cards. There's also, like, also in the future, I, I know that there's some sort of concept around renting cards, which I think, or sorry, I keep saying cards, digital moments, renting moments. And I think we should learn more about that at some point. I think that'll become relevant, especially when something like the Giannis is in play for a challenge so we can help people understand a bit more of how that, that might work. That, that's certainly like second, third level NBA top shot. Not everybody's going to be doing that. I, I don't really have plans to be doing that at this point, but still good information to get out there. So should we wrap it up by opening up a pack here, Justin? Ooh, Is that what we want to do? Let's do it. Do we have a pack ready to open? I think we might. We do, we do. All right. What kind of pack do we have for the people? We are going back to the base. Justin has more packs than me because he runs better at clicking the buy button. I was too slow. The, the sweat to get a pack really is pretty sick. Like you're just sitting there like hammering this button and you know it's not going to – once it doesn't work the first time, you know it's not going to work, but I just keep clicking it again. <laughs> like anyways. Uh, we, we can go so far. And A, we definitely need to talk later on about some strategy for opening – for, you know, actually getting the packs. There is some strong strat there such as don't overdo it. Don't try to do multiple sites. Just get your one. And as soon as you get that one, then go um, And then I'm excited for this segment of the future is where's the place that you've had – the craziest place that you've had a drop sweat? For me, it was hiding in the bathroom at a dinner with my wife. So sometimes you got to get creative. Okay. Once again, only I get to enjoy the music here. Just so pumped. I hope they... I kind of hope like they start like maybe mixing in some music or something. Maybe like if it's a legendary or like a rare pack, you get some other kind. I think that'd be cool. I like that. All right. Starting us off with our first one. Let's get it. Let's get that good start. Okay. Common dunk. Oh my, we got oh, the AD. I told you this guy runs good. I told Gosh. you this guy runs good. Let's go. That's just Anthony in the account. Nice one right there. You like that. All right. That is, TJ. Ladies and gentlemen, that is why the EV of these packs is positive because at any given moment, you can pull an Anthony Davis. Let's see if there I can you pull go. TJ, while value. I do this, why don't you pull up Marketplace and let me know? I think that's going for around like 2025. But you can kind of. I'm trying. Yeah, trying to my browsers, not quite cooperating. So uh, I'll oh, keep trying to look it up I, in the background. But you can. I have it right here. Eleven, right there. We're free rolling right now. Let's get that number two. All right, decent. De oh my god! What? Let's go. What all these packs are like? Hey guys, we had some technical difficulties at the end of episode two. Justin got very excited about the Zion find in the pack and just so happened that right after that, experienced some technical difficulties. That'll be it for episode number two. Episode three will be out very shortly. In the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter at OwnTheMomentNFT and we will see you next time.